0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriter's Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriter's Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today?
1: Nathan, I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm fantastic, and I'm ready for what is going to be an interesting episode of the podcast, I'm sure.
1: Oh, more than interesting. Actually, we're going to get scientific. You know, we don't usually give out formulas on this show, but today I'm going to start with one. Are you ready? Yeah. Empathy equals $80 million. Hmm. Mm. I got that. I actually created it from looking at the work of our guest today, Emily McGuire. She's a big time specialist in email marketing and her email campaigns have earned clients over 80 million in revenue. The reason I put empathy in that formula is Emily says her guiding principle is leading with empathy, figuring out where your prospects and repeat customers are in their buying cycle or customer journey and then re-engaging them as they start to cool off. So in her business, Flourish and Grit, Flourish and Grit, that's what it's called. Emily has worked with consumer brands, health and wellness businesses, and software as a service companies in the tech space. So a lot of different types of businesses. But her most famous client is probably Adam and Eve, the adult toy store. And she used her empathy approach to increase their profits by 36% just with email campaigns. So before we get into Emily's wisdom and practical advice, I'd like you to increase your own business excellence by heeding the following. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use, what you hear in this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims, and, or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Emily, welcome and, and thanks for being here. Really glad you can join us.
2: Hi, Super excited.
1: Well, I'm just betting you polarize audiences and maybe you get some clients to go. When you tell them that if they want to sell more with their emails, they should stop pitching and including a buy button so often. So first, do I have that right? And secondly, if I do, or even if I don't, why do you say that?
2: Well, getting my clients to say, hmm, is a really... (laughs) a real win, I think, um, just because making them think about copy and messaging and campaigns in a totally different way. But I would say that, you know, buy now buttons, uh, they have a place, right, but not in every single email. And what I've found is that, you know, I find folks are on the two ends of the spectrum with email marketing or marketing in general, I think. And that's, you know, they're really afraid to either only ask, you know, making those sales pitches. They don't want to do that. So they tend to veer on the side of extra caution and only serve content that doesn't really um, give people a clear call to action. Or you have people on the opposite end of the spectrum who are only asking you to buy. And they're, yeah, buy, buy, buy. And they're scared of, uh, serving content because they've come to rely on those sales emails to generate the revenue. They, they again are betting on, right. They need right. to pay the bills and all the things. Yeah. And I've worked in both of those places, right. I've worked for companies in both of those places. And what I've found is the people who are always pitching, always sending sales emails. They make a lot of money. They make a ton of money, but on the back end, those businesses tend to hemorrhage contacts at a much higher rate than people who do their copy and messaging from a more blended approach, which is serving that content, serving really empathetic messaging and their campaigns and asking whether or not that is whatever the goal is for that campaign, right? So for, from my perspective and my experience, I've seen that blended approach work so much better with retaining contacts, right? And uh, retaining customers as well. And the, the revenue might not match up to those buy now people, but the profit looks a lot better.
1: Yeah. I mean, one thing that occurs to me is so many people doing email marketing are very much in the here and now, not in a good way. And so they're saying, how much money did we bring in today? How much, you know, how much did we bring in today? But the strategists, the people, and I i think part of you is a strategist, although I know you are an implementer. The strategists step back and say, well, if you really look at things long-term, about 80 percent of the business from any one customer comes from the second purchase the third purchase the fourth purchase the fifth purchase the sixth purchase and so if you're going to lose those people because you're going
2: bam 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 bam
1: not so good for the the profit picture like you said
2: you've just lost your most profitable contacts who could be increasing that bottom line for you instead those folks end up chasing new leads all the time, instead of thinking about retaining who they've already got um, on board with them. And that's a much less profitable strategy.
1: Yeah, um, I know too many companies like that, some of them pretty up close and personal, they know who they are, but I'm not going to embarrass them here, maybe in a <laughs> private conversation. But let, let, let's walk through some examples of how you've helped companies improve sales and strengthen their communities. You up for that to to give us some specifics. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So I work in, so, you know, like you mentioned already in my intro, I work in e-commerce and in tech and SaaS and those, and as you probably know, those two business types have very different sales cycles, right? One can be minutes. The others could be years. And so. I've, I've got a um, an example from a client who their uh, B2B, they are a video management uh, platform. And at the at the beginning of COVID video exploded. I mean, it's it was already a big deal as it was, but now people needed it, not just wanted it. And so I took their approach from sending very short emails that were primarily the call to action was contact a sales rep to how do we keep people engaged on the list and make sure that when they are ready to talk to a salesperson, they know exactly how to do that. So one example I have again, from this company, and it's targeted toward higher education institutions. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just give you a couple a little bit from it. So here we go. Your campus classroom paradigm has changed at record speed. You probably went from using a little bit of video to depending it on it full time this school year. Now that your hand is not reeling, now that your head is not reeling from making one million decisions about online learning, it's time to start preparing for your regularly scheduled classroom experience. Or is it? Returning to an in-person classroom may not be in your near future. And what if you find, as you adjust to hybrid learning, that some of your students and faculty prefer it? There's no better time for a long-term plan for hybrid learning than right now. The hardest part is finding the right tools to make your job as easy as possible. That's why we put together the toolbox for hybrid learning in a video-first world. And then it goes into the benefits of that toolbox. So. What we found from these types of campaigns, when we started switching to this copy method, um, which was much more empathetic, was much more conversational, talking to subscribers like they're actual human beings. Was what a, their concept. Most, uh, what yeah. a concept! What <laughs> concept! Mm-hmm. What we found was their highest—the salespeople's highest quality leads were coming from email campaigns. The highest yeah. quality.
1: Yeah, and something, I don't know if you did it on purpose or intuitively, but there was a phrase in there that I just loved. You said, when you get back to your regularly scheduled classroom learning, well, that phrase comes from TV. We now get back to our regularly scheduled program. Did you have that in mind? Or you yeah, exactly. Oh, very <laughs> clever. I love that. that. That's great. Do you have another example of an email or a campaign Because you know what? I understand this. I realize you're not asking for the sale, but you're pretty much creating the relationship. Not only that, you're positioning your client, the vendor, as someone who really knows what's going on, someone who cares. (laughs) And that's a person, when I'm in trouble, I don't want to call someone who says, you want red or blue? I want someone who is going to take care of me and is is not going to push me so hard and is going to try and find out what I need. I don't think I'm that unusual in that way. Do you?
2: Yeah. I mean, if you're asking for help, you're not going to ask somebody who you think, uh, whose primary driver and motivator is to make a sale because you're asking for help. You're not asking somebody to take your money right now. <laughs> you know. Right. Right. Uh, if
1: you're, yeah. if, if you're asking to buy something, then you'd probably like to find a salesman. If you're asking for help, you'd like someone who has a slightly broader range of skills. I don't know. All right.
2: Well, who understands the landscape you're dealing, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So give us another example. That's great.
2: Yeah. So this one is from um, an e-commerce client I had. They are, um, they're known for their snark. And they're really witty gifts that they offer. So I wanted to pull this one because we're, you know, at the time of this recording, we're about a week away from Christmas. Right. And so here was one of their holiday campaigns that we put together um, called the Cozy AF Holiday because your (laughs) couch is now your social life. So. Uh, so I'll just read the the intro to you. It, the emails always started with a brief little letter from the owner of the business because she, you know, she's known for her snark. Yeah. And and then we launch into the products that we offer. So or that we're promoting. Okay, give me all of the holly jolly Yuletide deck the halls goodness. There's nothing quite as cheerful as twinkly lights and Mariah Carey singing "All I Want for Christmas Is You." over and over again and let's face it we're in for a long winter so finding the silver lining to staying aside is what we all need i don't know about you but my social agenda for the winter includes lots of hanging out with the cats the cast of Schutz creek on my couch that means hot bevies cozy blankets and a brightly lit christmas tree in the corner that's how we're celebrating the holidays over here cozy comfy and ready to spread some cheer with a few holiday gifts get some inspiration with some of our favorite cozy gifts. And then we go through um, a ton of, or well, not a ton, but a selection of their coziest gifts.
1: Yeah, that's that—that's that, terrific. Uh, first of all, I love the snark in, you know, cozy AF on on, <laughs> on your couch. And secondly, I'm assuming that most of her customers are women?
2: Yes, yep. So they get the pop culture reference. So she's very, she says a lot of pop culture items. So we sprinkle a lot of pop culture references and all of the things that a lot of women would love to own or gift.
1: Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in LA's famous Topanga Canyon. Q is reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an a lister yourself, or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar, that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on amazon.com. Now, back to the show. That reminds me of a much more interesting version of what I read in People magazine every week. But also, we have a lot of male copywriters on uh listening to this and sometimes they say, "You know, how do you write to women or how do women talk?" Well, that was a really good example. Women aren't stupid, they're clever, but they do focus on different things, so you might want to rewind the tape a little bit and listen to Emily what Emily was saying. Would you agree with me on, on what I just said? I mean, I'm standing by. If I'd love to let, hear your opinion,
2: I mean, writing for women is not difficult for me because I don't know if you know this, but I I'm a woman.
1: <laughs> I I figured it out a lot. I could tell by the glasses. Yeah
2: but yeah there's just different pop culture references right there's different little things that women like to talk about in general than men do so for me i like to just make myself seem really human right and make the copy sound human and talk about things being feeling good right feeling really good. And how do we do that, Uh, especially over COVID. And that was a lot of the copy I wrote for this particular client was about, uh, in particular, how moms were handling the pandemic, and all of the things that we can do to celebrate moms and nurses and teachers through gifting. And so really understanding that experience, I think helped connect with the audience a lot more.
1: Do you ever get feedback from people on the list, like notes? I mean, like, especially whether they appreciate what you're saying or not and, you know, how they feel about it and maybe even sending a story that, gosh, that's great because that was exactly like when or anything like that.
2: Exactly. Yep. We get a lot of, we got a lot of feedback from those campaigns where it was like, basically like thank you, you get me. <laughs> uh, you get what's going on. And uh, particularly, you know, when we synced to those campaigns up across social media, a lot of the comments were the same.
1: Now, I'm assuming if you're writing for software as a service tech clients, some of those are men. And some of the, some of those are have men as customers. Um, yes. Do you find Okay, I I know this is a hey stupid question, but do you find <laughs> that empathy works well with men, and or you know a man speaking to another man, or or is I it mean, yeah. too fam-y?
2: I think that empathy means being able to put yourself in somebody's shoes, and therefore people want to know that you understand them, and you want you understand where they're coming from. You're understanding their challenges. And that you want to build a relationship with them so you can help them. I don't think that is a gendered thing at all. Um, and you might use different pop culture references. You might use different metaphors, but at the end of the day, it's the it's the same principle.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm in a group. I'll be meeting with them later today. We read books and all men and kind of tech and finance focused and yeah pop culture references are like Elon Musk and and uh Peter Thiel but but yeah same same difference okay G- great great point uh finally in in the time we have left could you share a few tips uh, for writing emails obviously you have a formula that works for you that that clients like and that customers like too one especially one of the things that you told me about when we were having our little chat to get ready for this was how when customers are starting to cool off how you have a way to re-engage them maybe you could focus a few tips on that because i think everyone has that problem and i haven't heard too many solutions out there to be honest with you
2: yeah so like i said i i approach this not only with empathy but you know an extension of empathy is understanding where people are in their customer or buying journey. You know, I do a lot of that on the back end and then develop campaigns to look at, you know, where are people at risk falling out of your funnel or where are they cooling off? And so once we do that and understand, like are we trying to get people just to re-engage with your emails or are we trying to get them to renew or purchase again or purchase for the first time in a long time? So I do that in a couple of ways. One is like really speaking to that buying stage. So for example, if it's a lead who's never purchased, but they've, or, or, you know, signed a contract or whatever it is, who's been on your list for a long time talking to them, like, Hey, what do you, what's going on? you know uh what are you dealing with right now and we know you've been on the list for a while let's let's have a conversation kind of messaging right for re-engaging people just to get them engaged on your email list again it's talking to them where they are in their stage like we miss that sort of generic we miss you Here's all of the, all the things we've been up to uh, since you've last been a customer, or maybe since you last opened an email here, are all the cool things going on, the great products, customer favorites, whatever it is. And then also thinking about gamifying your emails, there's a lot of options out there to get people to, to turn an email into a game, right? There's a lot of technical tools out there to do that so thinking about it in terms of of gaming like um you can do those spin the wheels or um, have a little maze that people go through just something for engagement for engagement's sake and i think that we don't think about that all the time especially when people are hyper focused on the revenue right now Instead of thinking about the long game and making sure your list is engaged and interested in getting your emails, so when they are ready, they will purchase
1: yeah that's that's good, so there's a couple of things I'd like to comment on what you just said, and part of it redounds back to our conversation yesterday. You mentioned that you do a lot of implementation, but you also get into the back end, which mm-hmm. I think means. You're going to be looking at the CRM or the list manager, whatever it is exactly called, and you're going to be segmenting probably to a greater degree than a lot of people do to to actually know when somebody hasn't opened an email for any days, and then tell them. And you know, that's the other thing that just being so upfront and not uh, weasel wordy, but just very direct about hey, you've been on this list a long time and we haven't talked. I'd like to know what's going on with you. I don't know if I've ever gotten an email like that, but Mm -hmm. if if, if I did, I would be more likely to respond to that than the the emails I get from one of my clients' clients who every day says, we're not sure you're receiving our emails. That's how it always starts. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) You're rolling your eyes for our audio listeners. (laughs) Yeah, so... So this this is great information. Nathan, why don't you share any, before we wrap up and, and make her offer of her action guide, why don't you, if you have anything to say.
0: I would just like to point out, you guys talked a lot about empathy and understanding how the person feels that you're writing to, but you didn't point out, but it came through in when Emily was reading the emails, I think Maya Angelou said, people don't remember what you say, but they remember how you make them feel. There's a very deliberate, not just understanding how the reader feels, but understanding how you want them to feel that I think kind of went unspoken throughout today's episode. But if you go back and re-listen to it and re-listen to these emails, there's a very deliberate this is how I want you to feel as you're reading this email. And I think that that is so important.
1: It, it is. And I'd like to point out it only went unspoken until you spoke it.
0: <laughs> there you go.
1: But I'm really glad you brought it up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Good point.
1: So you have a, an open rate offer, free, free, free deal for our people, right? But open rates?
2: exactly yeah i have a free action guide called revolutionize your email open rates and i go through you know what are some of the myths of open rates and how to really understand them better and then a subject line formula i use to write all the subject lines all day every day (laughs) and some action items and things to think about so it's at flourishgrit.com open
1: okay flourishgrit.com open And we'll put that in the show notes, too, so people can click on it and get your – see and see what you're up to. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. This was a fantastic episode. And we will definitely put a link in the show notes to where people can get that. And if you're listening and you want to know where you can find the show notes, you can always head over to copywriterspodcast.com. Make sure that while you're there, you subscribe to the podcast. And – Until next time, we will catch you later.
1: See you later. Hey, did you enjoy today's show? Want to help get it into the ears of more listeners? Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.